You are listening to Asian Skycast, the show that brings you the most updated aviation industry insight. Okay, welcome to the Asian Skycast. Jeff Lowe and I are here uh, doing our usual rundown of what's happening in Hong Kong and what's happening in the world. I think we're gonna we're gonna break this up a little bit differently this time uh, into two segments. The first segment is um, going to be what what we've been thinking about or things that we've been thinking about. We've all obviously been spending a lot more time at home, and as much as we all want to maybe say that we spend 18 hours a day working, uh, the truth is is that it's it's not always so easy to work from home. Times you might have otherwise been off and going out and doing things, you're at home anyway. So it's given us all, I think, a chance to just think about things in general. So that's what we're going to do in the first segment. And then we're going to do a second segment called Problem Solved, where I throw some crazy ideas at Jeff and, and see how he responds. So anyway, with that, um, and again, I want to make our usual disclaimer, we are not in any way making light of what's going on. Uh, we know how painful this is for people. Uh, again, I'm from New York. New York's my home. Like we, we feel extremely sympathetic to everybody. What we are trying to do as people based in Hong Kong is give everyone a look at a life from a city that is effectively two months ahead uh, from where the U.S. is and, and where parts of Europe are. So anyway, with that said, Jeff, what have you been thinking about? Well, pretty much my daily routine, most of the time, if I have any extra time other than focusing on work, uh, I've got three kids. And so they're, they're, they're home from school because schools are closed and have been some time now. So yeah, I mean, most of my uh, extra thinking or spare time thinking is is occupied with the kids, um, and uh, I have a second career now that I never knew I had in homeschooling, which has been a, which has been interesting challenge. Um, but that's uh, certainly a lot that takes up my spare spare time, as you can imagine. And again, it's the same for a lot of people that are in similar situations. You were telling me before that you've been thinking a lot about. I don't want to say the economic numbers, but just some some of the Hong Kong numbers that have been coming out. Yeah, I mean, there were kind of uh, recently two numbers that, if you will, leapt out at me and really kind of drove home, uh, I guess the best word I can think of, the absolute devastation that the uh, coronavirus has had on, on the aviation industry here in Hong Kong. And I guess it's it's the same everywhere. But I mean, numbers that are just you, you're jaw-dropping stuff. Uh, one of them was regarding uh, Cathay Pacific. You know, Cathay and Cathay Dragon have over 200 airplanes. Uh, on a typical day, they would carry anywhere from 90 to 100,000 passengers. Uh, the other day, the group carried 582 I'm not making a mistake, 582 uh, instead of 100,000. Uh, it's like a 99.4% drop in demand. And just how does any industry, no matter what you are, deal with essentially an evaporation of all demand? The other number, which was equally uh, equally as, as shocking, was for the airport itself, and obviously, if the if the airline isn't bringing it in, you're not getting the flow through the airport. Uh, so the other one was that, and again, Hong Kong International Airport is a major hub. In 2019, you had 72 million people that went through that airport. Well, the other day they had 367, 367, 367 people, arrivals. 
Uh, and so, and the other, I guess, the other dramatic uh, number is, I mean, both the airport and Cathay Dragon between them probably uh, gainfully employ, uh, you know, I think Cathay is like 27,000. Uh, the airport has 75,000 people. Uh, so you're 100, 120,000 people that are reliant on the airport and, and the airline group. And it's it's got to be really hard times. Uh, so let me really, ask, really hard times. And again, me, those kind of drive the numbers home. And I'm sure other airlines around the world are experiencing the same. Uh, I, I know I have a friend of mine who works in Canada and he's with, with WestJet. And again, they're, the numbers he gave me is normally they're 60,000, 70,000 a day. And they're, they're carrying like 3,000. So I mean, it's it's not uncommon these numbers. So let let me ask you this: we did a we did a podcast with HFW uh, where we talked a little bit about the the travel industry and certainly the airline industry. And the comments that we were making were that just opening up travel in these countries or just allowing border crossings is not going to bring back air travel because there has to be a whole reset of whether it's airline hygiene, whether it's screening, whether it's just Whatever it is to make people, make passengers, make workers feel comfortable flying again. You were here during SARS. Uh, and we've come back to this theme often. Do you remember what air travel was like in the immediate aftermath? I mean, you're, you're, you're hitting on a, a, on a valid point, Max. I mean, it always takes such a long time for it to recover. I mean, it's kind of like it drops off fast. But it takes a long, long time before you gain the confidence back of the traveling public. And not only, uh, much like SARS, in this case, we're going to have changes from uh, the airline and airport side that are going to have to be integrated. And then again, there's always the confidence of the traveling public as well that you're going to have to address, address too. Uh, so unfortunately, it is going to be it's going to be months before we get back to normal when it but comes to what, air travel. And so when on. SARS hit, was Hong Kong as much of a, a hub as it was? I don't think it was quite where it is. No, today. it's it wasn't it wasn't quite the same. It's hard to relate, uh, just because the coronavirus is is hitting kind of both ends of the stick, if you will. Uh, it's not just a Hong Kong problem. So whether you're an origin or your destination. You're, you're, you're dealing with the same issues. So it's kind of like you're chewing both ends of the stick here. And so the effects are, are more dramatic and are going to take that much longer to rectify as well. Because even, even if Hong Kong recovers, the rest of the world may not. So you're still stuck. <laughs> but things like, I mean, because it struck me, I think even like the first time I landed in Hong Kong, that the temperature taking, the screen, I mean, that was put in place after SARS, yep. I think, right? Yep. Do you, can you think still, of- Still there today? Still there today. Um, do you remember how you felt flying right after SARS or during SARS? That was a long time ago. Hey, that's a long time ago, but uh, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I wasn't that concerned, in, and primarily because, as we talked about previously, SARS was something that was very quickly contained, and and sort of, you know, the affected were put into a hotel, and and that was kind of the end of the story. Uh, it, it kind of made for daily news every day as you, you kind of experienced the trauma and the experience that those people were going through, but it, it just, it just wasn't the same. Uh, and again, it sort of felt like if I, if I didn't go there or if I avoided that, I'd be totally fine. So I don't think there was the same effect to the psyche that you're seeing from coronavirus. And for somebody uh, such as yourself who spends, I don't know, half the year, maybe more, maybe less sometimes traveling. One of the things we talked about with HFW was 
whether or not airlines or airports would require like a health certificate before they allowed you on a plane or to cross a border. Uh, as somebody who is flying all the time, how do you? How would you feel about that? And this is it's another interesting point. <clears throat> you know, I've and again, this is I think some somewhere uh, kind of you lose some people where in you know I've I've as you said, Max, I've I've traveled for. 30, 40 years now. And I've, I've been places that are certainly the most un, unhygienic that you would ever want to go into in your life. And, you know, the territories that I've covered have been certainly Europe, Middle East, Africa. Uh, so, and maybe it's, it's, it's because of that, that I, I do have a, an air, a little bit of an air of an invincibility, uh, just because, been so many places and but would you be comfortable with having to hand over a uh, a medical report or something and then how do you balance your worry about that with feeling better knowing that everybody who's sitting around you has had to do the same i think we're gonna have that's what's gonna happen uh and again whether you call it a health passport or or something uh i think in order to uh address whatever liability issues may come up out of this by the airlines uh, and just to make other travelers and your, even yourself feel safe to be sitting next to someone on an airplane for 16 hours, people are going to want this in place. And then where does it end? Because yes, you could just do a COVID test, you could do a temperature test, but now all of a sudden you're doing it. Why not do it for any infectious disease? Why not? I mean, where do you sort of draw the line on that? Agreed. And again, I mean, when I used to travel, you used to, uh, you know, you used to get vaccinated for whatever country you were traveling to. And and there was a little passport that you carried around and you have to have your typhoid or, or your yellow fever or whatever vaccinations. And that was tracked. And there was a little book that you carried around. And depending on the country that you went to at that time, they would review that and make sure that you've had the inoculations recently and that you are from as much as possible from a medical standpoint, been protected. And I guess we'll probably be seeing a return to those days then. So then from a business aviation perspective, and then then we're going to move on. I mean, if this is really where we're heading, I have to think that for anybody with the means, it drives it drives interest in business aviation. Uh, absolutely. absolutely. Uh, I think if there's a silver lining to this, uh, you know, I as I sort of use the, the phrase with a t sort of tongue in cheek a little bit. I mean, if you want the ultimate in social distancing, well, get into private aviation, and uh, you can see where for those and again that that can afford it. Uh, you know, if I can avoid sitting in a triple seven dash three hundred dr for sixteen hours with three hundred people, uh, why wouldn't I do that? I mean, my health and my family is more important. And if I and again, if I can afford it, it's it's not available to everyone, obviously, but yes, I've, I've got to believe that that drives business. And I saw a little bit of it previously here in Asia. Uh, I think, as I mentioned, when you know there was a period in time when traveling on some of the commercial airlines in, in China was suspect, shall we say. They were going through a bad period. And again, a lot of people that could afford it just sort of said, why do I want to take my, my family's safety, uh, leave it to someone else when I can afford it? And I can get my own aircraft and know who's flying and know who's serving me and know how well they're trained. And so, yeah, it certainly drove business. And we'll see it again this time, too. Interesting. 
Uh, okay, so what have I been thinking about? Um, this week is Passover, which is uh, a holiday for uh, for Jews around the world, which chronicles um, the Israelites leaving Egypt and going to the promised land and coming up is Easter. So without getting into any religious issues or any, anything like that, um, I have been thinking about biblical times because biblical times had a lot of these kind of plagues and pestilence and all this kind of stuff. A lot of just, I don't want to get too, too into it, but what it really got me thinking about was just life during biblical times. And we're all sitting here and, and this has been a terrible experience for the world. It's been a terrible experience for a lot of people. Obviously, anybody who's sick, anybody who's lost a loved one, um, you know, there's. A, I think, I think there's a temptation to just think that, okay, it's all ending, and this is somehow. Um, I don't know. I didn't want to really go into it, but all I want to say is, the more I think about life in biblical times, the more I feel just lucky to be alive at the time that we are living. And I know that's not true for everyone. I know everyone has different circumstances. I know there's a lot of people who have been left behind, but just no matter what we're dealing with now, I just, I don't know. It just feels it's got to be better than what life was like then. I don't even know if we're going to run this, but I just, I don't know. I've been thinking about it a lot. Yeah, And I guess, uh, you know, part of, if you will, my, my hopes and prayers at this point in time are that it's something that draws us all closer together. I mean, as we all know, it typically takes, uh, if you will, a, a biblical crisis uh, to 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 move mountains, if you will. And certainly, the hope is at the end of the day, and I think, and and we do see it uh, that it reminds everything, it reminds everyone of what's really important at the end of the day. And again, a lot of that is 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 obviously yourself and your family, but there's other people as well. And so, certainly, the hope is that at the end of this, there is a different global perspective and the way we treat each other changes as well. And that could certainly uh, obviously be a good thing. Yeah, so. I, I hope so. I mean, there, there were no ventilators back then. So I just, um, anyway, I think it's worthwhile to just all remember how good it is and how good we have it as, as a species. So uh, let's take a quick break and then we're going to come back with Problem Solved. Okay, we're back. Um, so we are going to do something now. We're going to call this Problem Solved. And this is brought to you by Asian Sky Group Consulting. <laughs> Sorry, I have to put All the right. plug in. Uh, for people who don't know, uh, Asian Sky Media is a subsidiary of Asian Sky Group. And Asian Sky Group's primary business is business and, av and general aviation consulting. And as a consultant, we are often called upon to fix problems. So we are going to do in this segment is I'm going to give throw out a, a crazy idea. We'll do this once once a week, and uh, and Jeff will either say if it's crazy or if it has some merit. So here's what I've been thinking about. You know that sports leagues, and I'm thinking now in particular the NBA, the National Basketball Association, their season is on hold. Okay, the regular season was almost over anyway, and the critical thing now is to have the playoffs. All right, well, that's where sort of what, what we're playing the whole what they're playing the whole season for. So right now the issues are that um, they can't have the playoffs because it's too risky because COVID is still spreading. And even if they could get the players to a neutral location and then they could play it safely, there would be no fans in the stadium. And so they don't want to play it without fans. Okay, so you have these two problems. I'm with you so far. Okay, as a third corollary to this, you know that the NBA and China had a huge dispute recently when Daryl Morey made those comments about Hong Kong uh, and they had... Tencent canceled the, the league's contract and all of a sudden now um, 
the NBA and China are are you know faced off. Uh, it's not good for anybody, and they really need a reason to come back together because China is critical to the future of the NBA. We also know that as of today, China, for the most part, is no longer recording new cases of COVID nineteen. Okay, and they've successfully managed to stamp it out in major cities like Shanghai, Beijing, and Shenzhen. Okay, still with me. I'm still with you. I think I know where you're going with this. (laughs) So what the NBA needs is to be able to start playing the playoffs in order to buy time for the the curve to flatten in America and for people to be able to go to stadiums again. They're in a dispute with China for which they need to have a coming together. And we know that China, ironically, is now one of the safer places to be. My problem solve or my, my solve here is that they should play the first three rounds of the NBA playoffs in China. Okay, They can do one round in Shenzhen, one round in Beijing, or they could just separate the teams and and have them play them out in each of those cities. That would go on for, I don't know, a month or something like that. The stadiums would be full, so they'd have fans in the stadiums. It would reinvigorate the NBA in China. It would solve all of their cash flow problems, their TV money, Tencent, all of that kind of stuff. It would be broadcast in America. And then when we get to the finals, okay, we would be talking now probably June, if not a little bit later, and they could come back and play the finals in Vegas or at the home team or wherever and have fans in the stadium. So that is my solution to the NBA's problems. And it it has merit, if you will. I mean, as you know, uh, the NBA is so popular in China already. That certainly you would f- you would fill the venues for sure, uh, and they would be screaming fanatical fans. So there would be no loss, no loss there. <sighs> Whether you could convince the powers that be and the players themselves yeah. to come over and 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 spend that time in 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 China, uh, I guess that's a that's another issue. All right. So. Well, NBA executives, if you're listening, we're here. Give us a call. We'll. Uh, We'll we'll get on this. So well, we as we talked, uh, similar issue for the NHL. Okay, I'm Canadian, so for me, the ice hockey is a bigger thing. But we have the same they have the same problem. Season was almost over, and what do you do now for playoffs? We don't have the same solution as you do, unfortunately, because ice hockey has really not got a big foothold in China at this point in time. So we're gonna we're gonna well, have to think maybe, of, we're gonna maybe, have to think of something else. But maybe that's how they get it going in China is they they hold a big tournament or something like that, and they kind of I mean you have to do that in order to to engage yeah, and, with and, fans. And they did that uh, not last year, maybe a couple of years ago. They had a couple of exhibition game NHL exhibition games uh, in Shanghai and in Beijing. So. I think they're cognizant of this is, you know, one of the biggest markets in the world. And you've got to have your, you got to have your toe in that market. So, okay. NHL executives call there us, you are. call us as well. You uh, heard it. That, you heard it first that, here. You heard it first here. Problem solved. Brought to you by Agents Guy Group. Problem Consulting. solved. Sold. Um, no, look, we are, you know, we are joking around. We are trying to make this lighthearted. And um, again, we know everybody is, you're under quarantine or sheltering in place. We, we know it's difficult. So we really just, I don't know. We're trying to just do something lighthearted. Hopefully you think it's funny and hopefully it uh, gives you a little bit of a break in your day. So thank you, everyone. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, everyone at Asian Sky Group and Asian Sky Media. And I think that's it. Happy holidays. Thanks for joining us this week on Asian Skycast. Make sure to visit our website, Asian Sky Media. 
where you can subscribe to the show on your phone or via RSS, so you'll never miss a show.